Are you going to get us set up with some intro music? Um, no. So let's get into... Let's not joke. <laughs> Someone have a hard time doing that. Yeah. So, so let's get into more of, I guess, of your story, how you got into building, how you are now CEO, president of R and R Build Design, um, and I guess your background. So where you started, where you came from, how you got to where you are now. Do you want the real story or the fake story? Um, both. All right. The real story is my father <laughs> tricked me into joining the business. <laughs> That's amazing. So, no. Um, the <laughs> sorry. So how how I got into construction, um, essentially family business. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad started R&R Enterprises in 1980, um, started out as a carpet cleaning and maintenance style um, business and then slowly grew over the years into more maintenance and repairs and then that turned into remodeling and essentially from from my end growing up I've I've grown up in the business the entire time Um, used to play in the office as a kid Um, then later was dropped off on job sites to sweep floors um, pick up cigarette butts and um, just do general cleanup. And then through high school, I think, yeah, starting around 14, I started working in a custom mill shop, um, pulling nails, sweeping out floors out of the heart pine, yeah. um, pulling nails again. Um, then I upgraded from pulling nails to running boards through a planer and then through a shaper. Um, and then put on the job site and working with different, uh, finish trim carpenters to learn, um, finish trim work. Um, a lot more sweeping floors and watching when I was learning finish trim. Um, and then, <laughs> then moved on to working with a electrical contractor. So I worked as a helper for an electrician for about a year. Um, and worked with a landscape architect, um, doing a lot of the drafting um, for him on the back end um, for three months, and then college. Um, went to college and was planning on doing something completely different than construction, and decided um, construction was actually not as bad, so changed my path about halfway through, and decided that construction was the route that I was going to take. Um, so long story to get to 2007, um, came back to join R&R and um, started off as a superintendent, um, worked my way up to project manager, estimator, and ultimately um, owner of the company in around 2013. So very cool. The long and the short. Yeah. So you joined 2007 when... You know, 2007, <laughs> right when everything crashed. Yeah. Um, fortunately for us, um, silver lining in every story, we built, my dad um, built one spec home when I was 
eight years old and we wound up moving into it for four years and he decided that spec houses were not his market and mm-hmm. continued on with remodeling and maintenance um, and insurance work at that time. So when the crash came, um, we weren't left with a lot of houses on the ground. Um, all of our work was remodels, pre-sold, um, had customers for them. Um, and then we really did not slow down during those two years. Um, or 2000, the end of 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, um, our workflow was fairly steady compared to most people. It was mostly remodeling or... Almost a hundred percent remodeling, um, but it, again, our damages. water damages and, and different items. But some of our remodels, um, the one that I first came back to was a, I think it was about a twenty six hundred square foot addition onto a house. Basically, we took a old craftsman style house and added a mirror image of that house onto the backside. So, from all practical standpoints, it was a brand new house that was attached to an old house. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like a ground up built. And that was the, the first project that I worked on. Very cool. Um, so your time at Auburn, you're an Auburn grad, Auburn grad or Eagle. So we have problems <laughs> I don't know. Um, since I went to UGA, but hasn't been a problem for me in, in the recent past, but whatever. <laughs> um, so the, the jobs that we're doing now, um, they're remodeling, um, some new construction out of the ground with some of the projects that we're doing. What projects are you wanting to do? Like moving forward, what are you looking to take the company direction in? So the company direction that we're trying to move into is more of the custom design build. Um, for the longest time we've, we've done a, um, whole gamut of construction um, from the insurance repair where we did the water fire <clears throat> storm um, emergency service then we mm-hmm. did the repairs we were also selling custom design custom homes custom remodels kitchens bathrooms full additions um, and new construction um, the difficult part with with doing all of that is you're just pulled in too many different directions and you can't really focus in and kind of hone your craft um, when you're using that kind of shotgun effect to utilize the market that you're in. Um, so in the recent years we have focused more on design build, um, trying to get more, um, intent on design first, um, getting full set of plans, um, and really thinking through a job before we start a job, Mm -hmm. um, versus jumping into a job and, and building out that job as we go. Um, hired an interior designer. We hired an interior designer Mm -hmm. recently. Um, in the last several years, I've started doing a lot of the design work myself, um, along with working with other local architects and, um, other other designers, um, in the area. Um, but the, the direction that we're trying to move into or the direction that we're moving into is the custom home, new builds, large additions, full house renovations, um, a little bit larger scale, um, more on the high end side of construction, um, really paying attention to our water management, air management, um, along with just better, cleaner details on the interior. Yeah, because, 
I mean, since you came back and we've been doing remodeling, water restoration, fire, storm restoration, we've seen leaks. We've seen where those water intrusions happen. And so really having that experience, it yeah. pays dividends for what we're, it, we do now and it, how to attack those. It pays huge dividends. So where the, I wouldn't trade my experience with water mitigation um, and, and all of the restoration and repairs that we've done. Mm-hmm. It's really given us or given myself a tremendous amount of insight on to what people do wrong and how much damage it can cause when you're not doing things correctly. Um, and my dad used to have a saying with, with several things that was, it's either hundred percent right or it's hundred percent wrong. A lot of these areas, when you're talking about waterproofing, flashing details in those items, they are, they're one of those that's either wrong or it's right. Mm. And there's an awful lot of people who do them wrong. Um, so focusing in on, best building practices, um, verifying our details, um, making sure that our guys know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Um, not letting our, you know, our guys that are our in-house trades guys or our subcontractors just go out to a job and do exactly do whatever they want to do, or this is how we've always done it. Um, more of that management, that oversight and verifying that they are doing it correctly. Um, and in turn we take ownership of those jobs. So if there's a failure or something that goes wrong, we'll stand behind it. Um, the reason we're able to stand behind our work is because we verify and we know that it's correct. Um, not that mistakes don't happen, but they're, they're minimal. Yeah. And that's why we focus so much on social media on some of that stuff. It might be very boring, but that stuff is, is incredibly important and important to get right. Yes. It's either hundred percent right or hundred percent wrong. Correct. So that's why, some of the, as Lauren would say, snooze alert um, posts sometimes throw up on Instagram. Yes. And so they're, they're not <laughs> as much fun. And, and from a homeowner standpoint, it's, it's not as much fun to do a repair that you weren't anticipating doing. Right. Um, or we've had several jobs um, where we've had to do a lot of corrective work that is then unseen. By the time we leave, the house is sound, um, so they're sleeping better at night because they're not concerned that their house is settling or that the roof is going to fall in or that they've got a massive leak somewhere, but their house looks exactly like it did when, when we started, mm-hmm. um, or look, they didn't get improvements. They didn't get a new kitchen. They didn't get a new bathroom. They didn't get this. We ripped off the exterior and we put it back on. We dug up the entire outside of the house, put piers <laughs> in, um, and then put everything back. Um, so those items and, the, and their cost, I mean, they, they cost a tremendous amount of money to make those repairs. Mm-hmm. So getting a job on the front end and spending a little bit more money up front um, to have it done correctly is, it, it can save you a lot of money down the road. Right. Um, I don't have any more questions. I don't know if you want to go over something uh, about why we're starting the podcast, what we're anticipating trying to do with the podcast. Um, educating, informing, and we're connecting with our... We're starting this podcast because Jeff Lanzer is making me do a podcast and trying to push our social media. Um, He knows that he's going to have to clip that out now. (laughs) Nope. It's (laughs) in there. (laughs) The the reason for starting the podcast is to try and get the information out, um, share what we know, share our experience, share... um, the design failures that we've seen, um, the way that we've corrected those, um, 
and then share the building pra- uh, building science practices that we're trying to to move towards, um, and really just to inform um, our customer base, our friends, anybody who's interested um, or wants to listen, just what are things that you need to be looking for during construction. Um, hopefully, this podcast can help somebody that's you know not our customer, but they're having a home built and gives them a little bit of insight into what they need to be looking for. Um, hopefully it inspires some of our competition or other people to build better. Um, you know, there's, there's, I think plenty of contractors out there who intend on doing a good job. Um, but they're moving to the next one and the house that they built may have been sold and the problem didn't arise until five or 10 years after they built the house. Um, which they don't get a phone call back. Um, Mm -hmm. they're not the ones that are coming back in to fix it because they're new construction or they're known for new construction. They're not known for repairs. Um, so, um, the overall intent of, of this podcast is just to inform and hopefully help other people. Yes. And to connect with our followers. (laughs) <laughs> and so they, so you start asking questions on the front end and really trying to push, uh, again, when you're thinking about doing a remodel, um, or anything like that, just slow down at the front end. Um, cause slowing down at the front end is, is you get all that planning and you get your details correct. And so when you go into actually breaking ground or job starting, everything's smooth and you know, everything's correct and it can go and the work can be completed efficiently. Correct. And, and, and I think to help explain some of that. So typically what happens is we'll have somebody that will call us and, and want to start a renovation or, or remodel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been sitting thinking about this for six months, a Month, year, yeah. However long, most people don't just out of the blue say, I'm going to go do a remodel. So mm-hmm. they've got a lot of time invested in their project and what they think they, they want for their project. And then they come to us and they're wanting to get started. Yeah. And a lot we've made, we've made this mistake in the past of, yeah, we can get started. Sure. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll jump on that as fast as we can. Um, but it's at a detriment to the job because once the job starts, the job slows down um, mm-hmm. because decisions aren't made. Um, it puts pressure on the homeowner to make a quick decision that they don't have adequate time to think through. Um, so slowing down in the front end, um, even though you've been thinking about it for six months, getting everything laid out um, and, and taking another two to three months to get your project set up correctly will a speed up the construction and um, B get you the job that you're anticipating. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we've been recording for 18 minutes. It's the shortest podcast in the history of podcasts. I don't think so. I think it's a solid, but I mean, we can keep going if you would like to. I mean, all the ones that I enjoy are like three hours long. You got to pick up gymnastic, uh, gymnast I I have. at five thirty. I have a uh, all-star gymnast who is uh, getting released at 5.30 along with three of her friends, and none of them can drive, so I still have to pick them up. Right. Fortunately, I've got eight years before she'll be driving. At the same time, that's scary. I've got eight years before she'll be driving. Right. So when you joined R&R 2007, yes. just graduated college, correct? Correct. Okay. 
So how long until you married your wife? Ooh, Jeff, put me on the on the spot. So we got married in 2011. Are we going to have to have your wife fact check We're going to have to fact check that. Okay. So, no, 10 years. Yeah, 10 years this year. So that would be correct. 2011. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. October 21st, 2011. Lori K is listening to this. Please fact check. Please fact check. And let us know. I can... Oh, I can look. I can look up the date and make sure that the <laughs> date is correct. But it was. It was. It was 2011. So uh, yes, my wife and I um, got married in 2011. She also is an Auburn grad, um, War Eagle. Um, not to say that I have anything against Georgia. I've hired two Georgia yes. graduates, mm-hmm. so can't hate them that much. Um, yeah. So anyway, but. Um, and then, so you got married in 2011, but we're waiting on that fact check, and now you have four kids. And now I have four kids, that's correct. So you can do the <laughs> math. Four kids in 10 years, yeah. spanning from eight years old, will be nine this year, um, six, five, and just turned two. So Lucy, Claire, Maggie, Marshall, and Jay. Yep, and then Rick, your brother, it has three now. My brother has three, and he's. Uh, I tried to warn him, but he's he's decided to follow my my route and stack them all in there. He's yeah. he's got three. Henry is, I believe, turning four. Cece is two, and um, Henry is probably six months, eight months now, somewhere around there. Uh, we'll fact check. We'll that fact too. check that too. It, uh, I'm I'm not re- responsible for remembering his kids' birthdays. That's true. So, so, uh, we have a small McMillan army. We do. We are, there's a, there's a huge labor (laughs) shortage and we are trying to correct that, um, by producing our own labor force that Mm -hmm. will take 18 years to groom, but I think we can get there. Um, but speaking of Rick, um, so Rick, um, my younger brother, he graduated from Southern Poly with a construction engineering degree. Um, he went to work for a larger commercial contractor, New South, um, and worked for New South for six years, I believe, before I coaxed him into coming back to residential. Um, but he's got a lot of experience um, on the commercial side, a lot of experience in, in large builds, um, and then just... Same as me growing up, both of us grew up in the office around the construction sites, sweeping floors. Um, my, our, our dad was very good at putting us with different trades growing up. Um, one that Rick Rick took on was welding, so he learned to, to weld early on. Um, he also worked with a framer early on. Um, so it was it was fun growing up to, and, and seeing those different, getting to work in those different trades and having those opportunities. Um, I can't found out later, um, in life that my dad was paying all of the, um, subcontractors that we were working for, for to let us work for those subcontractors, which is kind of funny, but a good deal for them. Um, and most of them worked for him. So he paid us directly. They got to collect on the labor. So it was kind of a win-win for them. Wow. And we got the experience. So that's pretty great. Yeah. But it is, it, it's amazing that y'all both grew up in it. You, you were the one that uh, wanted to go a different way. Correct. And then Rick did go a different way. Correct. With the intention of coming back 
Yes. Yeah. So uh, Rick had more of an, an, an int- when he left to go to college, he, he was planning on coming back when I mm-hmm. left to go to college. Um, I had no intentions of coming back. Um, I, I, I didn't want to come back to Carrollton. Um, didn't want to come back to R and R. I'd had enough of it, and I wanted to go do something else. Um, took a little bit of growing up, uh, and then also just yeah. some life experience to realize that it wasn't so bad. Yeah, I guess Auburn did whip you into shape there. It so did. It did do that. Not too um, bad. And then Rick, you know, he's he's five years younger than I am. So mm-hmm. by the time I was getting towards the end of my college career, which was slightly extended, but I had a good time. Um, he was just moving into, into college and his career. And so, you know, he got to see kind of my transition and what I went through. Um, and then obviously he was the baby, the golden child is what we called him. So Mm. I think he had it a little bit easier than I did growing up. (laughs) (laughs) But that's amazing. Yes. Um, Rick the so, golden child. So what about you, Jeff? So tell the story on how I swindled you into staying and working with me. Ah, oh, man. Because you were going to be an accountant. I mean, yeah. you were on your way to get your, to be a CPA. So I was on my way, yeah, to get my CPA. Um, and then Robert over here said, but what about this? And I said, yes, okay, I'll, I'll join. No. Um, so I went to UGA. I uh, got my finance degree from UGA. And then you went where? Uh, online, so it doesn't really count. It does but count. I, I got a secondary bachelor's in accounting at Auburn, unfortunately. Or Eagle. Or fortunately. Um, and so I was planning on getting my CPA um, and going to work for an accounting for- firm in Atlanta. Um, that was my end goal. And then Robert over here convinced me to stay and said, hey, we're pretty cool. Um, we're doing some pretty awesome things. We're trying to grow the company. Um, we're trying to move in this direction with our builds and what we're trying to do and, and push. So, um, it seemed like a great opportunity to jump in, help with the marketing side of things, help with the pre-construction side of things. Um, and so he had a pretty fair argument to make in order to keep me here. But um, I, think, I think we I think we did pretty good. I mean, you, you left out the part that I offered you a part time job while you were in school. That's very true. But. Okay, so I did graduate from UGA. Literally three days after I graduated, I started here at um, part time, full time, uh, kind of both. I don't know. Yeah, full. I think it's actually full time. Full time initially, yeah. full-time initially uh, at the front office, helping Lauren with data entry, um, and then. I talked him into letting me go and <laughs> take classes at night um, online. And uh, and so I took classes online at Auburn while I was working here. Um, yes. And so that was. But the initial the, the initial job was more or less to get you through. Right. Accounting and, and, yep. and get you to where you were the path that you were on. And somewhere along the line, he decided that. Um, construction is way more fun than sitting in a cubicle doing crunching numbers. Yeah, construction um, is way more fun. And then you got married. You've been yeah just recent. I don't want to say recently. You've been married what two years now? No, three years. You're four gonna years? put me on the spot now. Yes. Yeah, four years. Four um, years. Four years. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Uh, so four years. Got married 2017. So I graduated from UGA. Started my job here. Uh, three days later. Um, Bought a, bought a house um, in two months and then married uh, Becca, my wife, um, 
and four months after That's that. Right. So sorry, my March time. bought the house. April got married. Sorry, my timeline was a little, little off. I for, you, yeah. you and Becca got married quickly after college. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because we were engaged in college. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And you bought a townhouse, Better. not a house. Uh, and it was whatever. a well, it's it's a townhouse that you asked me to go look at with you, and I. You said although no. you did you did good, <laughs> you wound up doing good. But I, right. I I told you I would not buy that if I were right. you. But it worked out in your favor. You were able to sell it, get out of it, mm-hmm. and then roll that into a a new house that is yep. not attached to other people. That is not attached to other people. That it's has t- parking. Has a driveway <laughs> and no a- HOA. Um, HOA can be a problem. But, um, but yeah, that's the story uh, of me and how I, I got here and how I am a co-host, co- my co-host, co-host, co-host of this podcast. That possibly is the host. Possibly the host. Uh, I I think it could be a fair statement that I could be a host and you are the main source. You're the main entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> the source of information. Yeah. Um, but I guess, so, so, I mean, we've talked about, we've talked about myself, we've talked mm-hmm. about you, we've talked about my brother. Um, so we've, we've also got Lauren Nist, um, who's our front office manager, mm-hmm. um, project accountant. She handles everything from data entry to billing to accounts receivables, payables. To keeping all the, us all in check. Trying to keep us all in check. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of hard. Um, then we have Delaney Helton who joined us this year. Mm-hmm. Um, six last months, year. La- well, yeah, technically last technically year, last about year. six months now, um, as a interior designer, um, really talented, another UGA grad. Um, I'm going to have to start pulling from people from Auburn, but anyway, they're UGA is working out right now. Yeah, going the wrong way. Um, so we've got, we've, that's kind of our office staff. Um, and then we've got a field staff of, multiple carpenters, um, really some really good tradesmen, um, well-rounded. Um, then we've got some really good painters in house, um, and just some general laborers along with all of our, um, kind of subcontractors that we work with. Yeah. So talk about what we're looking to do, um, with our shop. Cause we posted a couple things on that, um, on Instagram, uh, and then the front of our building, what we're kind of doing. Um, let's go over the shop first, our intentions with that and why, um, cause we, we currently house all of our equipment and, um, our mill workshop that Robert was referring to back in the day was over at a warehouse about five minutes away from our office. Yes. Um, so why we're transitioning that to our current office and and shop. Yeah. So, so we've got another, we've, we've got a warehouse or a mill shop, um, where we have the ability to produce, you know, different moldings, trims, cabinets, mm-hmm. if we need to, we've had a cabinet company at, at one point in time. Um, but the, the main reason for moving the, the shop from the current location over to our, our office, um, one is for efficiencies, and two is just to be able to stay on top of the equipment. Um, mm-hmm. One of the, the big problems that we have is the shop was being used on a fairly regular basis, but there wasn't somebody there day to day that could maintain the equipment or make sure that you know everything was um, in working order. And inevitably, we would go over there and have to fix, repair, do something. So um, moving the shop to our current location, um, we've got uh, Jeffrey Driver, who's going to be kind of our shop manager. Mm-hmm. 
who's who's going to be in the shop full time. Um, so any custom moldings, um, any type of you know custom projects that we we run across. Um, we'll have one person kind of dedicated to that who's working that 100% of the time, um, which will help us in the field where we're not pulling guys back and forth and kind of in the shop, out of the shop, in the shop, out of the shop. Um, and also just to have you know equipment and those types of things, one person responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the front of our building, so we moved into our new office in 2000. End of 2013, beginning of 2014. Right. Um, and I've always hated the, the way that the, the office looked <laughs> on the exterior. Um, but like everyone else, we were working on a budget, and we had to finish out the inside, get our interior space ready, and finally um, made the decision that it's time to correct um, some of the issues we were having with the front of the building, um, along with aesthetically making it more pleasing mm-hmm. and more in line with the type of work that we're producing. Yeah. Um, so what issues were we, were we seeing? So we were seeing some they... water issues that were, <laughs> that were quite, um, quite a nuisance. Um, unfortunately, um, when we moved into our current building, so it is a typical, um, metal frame, metal, metal building, uh, 40 by 150, I think. Um, we finished out an area that's, uh, I think 50 by 40 mm-hmm. roughly. Um, and when we first moved in to handle some of the, um, exterior envelope, um, and sealing that and also trying to offer a better insulation package, we used spray foam. Um, and we removed all the insulation that was, already existing and sprayed directly up against the metal sheeting on the exterior, um, which was fine for a long time until we started developing some leaks. Um, Mm -hmm. and then that presented a problem with a locating the leaks and B repairing the leaks without messing up our exterior or everything, our envelope. Yeah. Um, so the way to correct that, um, a couple options could have pulled all the, all the metal off the front of the building, ripped off all the insulation, w- reworked all of the insulation and put a new exterior facade on there. Um, mm-hmm. instead of doing that, we are framing essentially a, another exterior facade in front of our building. So we're, we're building a shell around our building Mm -hmm. to protect it. And and in doing that, we're controlling some of the water issues that we had at the ground level, controlling the water issues that we had at the windows and the doors and the roof, um, and accomplish accomplishing that through, um, just some newer, I guess, relatively newer products. So we're using the Huber zip system Mm -hmm. on the, as the exterior sheathing. So that's going to be our main control layer, um, we're also going with a duration moldings. Um, so we're going to do a, a duration product, um, on the exterior, um, that will be a shiplap and a combination of some other, um, molding choices. And I believe we have decided now that we're going to use a EPA trim for all of the windows and doors, which makes me happy because I wanted to do an EPA rain screen from the beginning. Yeah. And my brother. So we like EPA. We do love EPA. Um, and we love materials and products that hold up and last. Right. Is is why we love them. Um, mm-hmm. We want to show up to a project and, and do your project. And then that 
product that we put on last. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to come back in a year and there'd be rot or, you know, two years and there's some rot. We would rather go ahead and spend some money up front so that you have a product that will last long term. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no such thing as 100% maintenance free, but there is a lot of good options that will give you a low maintenance down the road. Um, right. It's like anything in life. You pay now or pay later. Right. So it's, um, we don't have much time left, but let's talk about the spray foam. Spray foam. Spray foam. And why maybe some builders are transitioning away from it. I know um, that this is a big point for Nick Schiffer with NS Builders, um, that he's transitioning away from uh, doing spray foam in any of his buildings. Um, but maybe you can talk about that a little bit more. Sure. So Benefits. Benefits. Cons. So the spray foam, um, it's like a lot of products that come and go in the building industry. So it was kind of the silver bullet. Um, Mm -hmm. 2007, when I started back, spray foam was, it'd been around, but it wasn't heavily used, but it was starting to become more and more frequently used. And so we started incorporating it into some of our jobs. Um, It excellent for insulation, um, offered some, um, especially with closed cell spray foam, um, offered some structural, um, additional structural strength, um, air sealing. Um, there's just a lot of things that it was, it was doing that were good for the industry. Some of the downsides. Um, so you know, some of the off gassing, um, if the product is not mixed correctly, it can fail, um, and can off gas forever, or it will turn loose and actually release from the wall, um, so there's a lot of, a lot of downsides that we've discovered or we've found, um, over the years with, with spray foam. But the biggest issue that I've, I've found with spray foam is it reduces your tolerance for mistakes to nothing. Yeah. So if you have your exterior sprayed with spray foam and your flashing details are not correct, your wall will rot out and it will rot out fast and it will be an absolute mess by the time you found it. Like one of the jobs that we completed recently. Correct. We had a job at, in 2018 that was a um, it was a large job, and it was a, a new construction home that was built. Um, I think the house was four years old by the time we got mm-hmm. there. Um, when we were called in, there was just a few water spots on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um that with, now, granted, this this ceiling there was a um, patio only above the ceiling. So if if you have a a patio or a roof over a finished finished space, it's always a tricky spot. Anyway, they're they're hard to get right. Um, but this one in particular, there was a, there were several things that were that were wrong with it that we found after we started tearing it apart. But the point of what we're getting at is it wasn't showing up. Right. And it only took four years for the entire roof system to have to be ripped off, for the entire exterior facade to be ripped off. Almost all of the framing pulled off. All the sheathing was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it had gotten from the roof to the walls, and it just started to get into the actual truss floor system down below. Um, fortunately, it, it had not gotten too far into that. and We had our engineer look at some different repairs, and we were able to repair a few of the trusses that were damaged on the on the inside or just on the edge of the truss. Um, but that job and a couple of other ones prior to that, um, really showed us that, you know, your flashing details are 
incredibly important. Correct. Um, you know, one of the bigger ones that, that I learned on window flashing, um, was another project that, that we were involved with. Um, didn't start off as a window repair. It was a bathroom remodel. And while we were working, we noticed an issue with a window in the garage. So we went to explore, you know, we think there's an issue. We should probably look into it. Mm -hmm. Um, once we looked into it, we realized that there was a, you know, two to three feet of rot all the way around the window and all the way. So, so all the way around. So top, bottom sides. Um, and it, and it started getting into the, the studs. And so, you know, the studs were, we had to replace the studs and ultimately what wound up happening is we removed every single window in the home. We removed all of the siding on the home. We removed all of the OSB on the home and we removed all of the insulation. Um, and probably 50% of the framing that was in direct contact with those windows and had to replace it. Um, and again, these are things that the homeowner was not anticipating. This is something they were not planning. Um, and it is a very large expense to do this. Um, Mm -hmm. not only is it cost, I mean, does it cost money to do it the first time? It costs three times the amount to tear it off, keep your house in somewhat conditioned space and livable while, while you're doing all of this and then putting everything back. Right. Um, so getting those details correct, um, was solidified in my head early on in my career. And that's why we have always looked for the best practices, the best products, and then just verification, verification, verification. Um, you have to check. And so one of our things is just always checking, always making sure that, you know, we're setting things up correctly. And if they're not, we tear them out and you Mm -hmm. put them back. Um, because it's, it's not worth the risk. Right. Um, to go back to that original job, four or five year old house that you're essentially having to rebuild a whole wing of Correct. because of a couple water spots in the ceiling, because of a couple water spots in the ceiling that, that turned in, that turned into the whole front facade of the house being ripped off two roofs being ripped off to, you know, it just, it, it was a, it was a mess. Right. And so that was 100% wrong on that one. 100% wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why getting details right on the front end, having that plan going in, knowing that the builder that you're going with cares about those details and um, is almost excited about that. Um, where, you know, here at R&R, we nerd out on that sometimes. Um, with new information, um, new building practices, obviously that are time tested. Um, for example, like the Huber zip system, something that's extremely time tested. Um, that's why we're putting it on the front of our building. That's why we put it on in our clients' homes. Um, do you have any other questions or anything else you would like to talk about? Uh, I think that covers, I mean, I think that's good for, for now. Um, (laughs) you know, until next time, until next time, um, yeah, until we do it again. So, um, got to figure out a name for this podcast. Yeah, is it the REM or the RME? Excuse me, Robert McMillan Experience. Yeah. Big Joe Rogan fan. Yeah, they might they might be upset about that. <laughs> they may, so. Probably, I don't know. Or the Southern Craftsman, and we go after those dang modern craftsmen. Yeah. So those with, things, some, with a southern those, touch, those Yankees and their Boston <laughs> accents. Um, 
No, I don't. I, I don't know. I I don't mind the Southern Craftsman, but I don't think that it is kind of a rip off. yeah, it is very it's a, much it's so a rip off. Rip-off. But um, and then too, a lot of our style isn't that classical, like Southern. Um, I don't know. But we should be. But we should be building that. I would love to build that. We would love to build that constantly. If anyone wants to build that, <laughs> <laughs> let us know. Yes. But no, I think I, th- I think that's uh, I think that's a good start for for our first podcast. Yeah, at least a, a warm up. I mean, yeah, one that's not supposed to go live. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I might take some cuts from this and put it up there, and just say like, "What do y'all think?" Because there was some good stuff there. We really got you got into some some details. Got a little into it. There's there's way, we can get way further in the weeds on some oh, yeah. other stuff. We were hitting pretty high level. Yeah. And we'll we'll probably get into that on on other podcasts where either some details or something that we're doing at one of our jobs and explaining kind of why we do that. Um, and again, that's why we're doing this podcast is so Absolutely. we can educate. We also are really looking forward to all the negative comments that that come flying our way. Yeah, and Huber zip to how how wrong how wrong we are. <laughs> it's not right. You shouldn't build with that. You should flash flash the bottom of your windows and use yeah. OSB. Auburn's terrible. So is Georgia. Roll Tide. Yeah. The, was a, <laughs> that would be the worst comment that we could possibly get. <laughs> All the other trash is okay. Yeah. Throw it at us. So. Let's hear it. <laughs> All right. We're going to cut. Yeah. So that is signing Robert off. and Jeff signing off. We'll see you all next time. WSB 223. See you tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. That was good. On the Burt Show. Oh, not on the Burt Show? (laughs) Okay. All right. We're done.